0: Welcome Wildcat fans to Play Ball, the Daily Wildcat Baseball and Softball Podcast. Uh, I'm Ari Kozlo, Assistant Sports Editor at the Daily Wildcat, and your host for this podcast. You'll be hearing from members on the sports desk as we report and recap what you need to know the season for both the baseball and softball teams. So we'll get right into it. First, the softball teams. I'm joined by Sean Fagan, Seth Litwin, and Brian Savick of the sports desk at the Daily Wildcat. Uh, another undefeated weekend for the softball team with wins, two wins over uh, BYU and then Colorado State, Seattle. And then we had the first competitive game against Oregon State that went to eight innings. That was a come-from-hand win for the softball team. Uh, another two impressive outings from Alyssa Denham. Uh, Deja had six hits. Charlize had seven hits. Uh, we'll start with you, Sean. What kind of did you see from the team this weekend that maybe they built off on from the first weekend and what did you kind of see that they do successful this
1: weekend. So just like I said last week, um, I wanted them to keep pouring on the offense and that's exactly what they did in those first four games against BYU, Seattle and Colorado State. I mean, from the first pitch, all four of those, the teams, they had no chance. There was nothing was going for them. It was only a matter of time before Arizona put them away and just poured it on. So that was great. So obviously I want to talk about Oregon State because as you just noted, that was the first major test of the season. And boy, was it a scary one. But we knew this was going to happen. We knew that every game wasn't going to be a blowout. And this was honestly just that classic, just good old slugfest between pitchers. That's what this game was. There was there a was very limited amount of hits. Nothing was going on. Arizona had a one nothing lead for a long time and then gave up that one-run home run to tie it, send it into extra innings, and then actually have Oregon State score first before Arizona, and then Arizona was down, there was a bit of a debate on that play that gave them the tie of whether it was catcher's interference or not. At first, they did not give them the run and the umpires um, called Arizona out, so it was going to be two outs with a runner on, but then um, Coach Kendrea went on to argued catcher's interference, I believe, and that's what gave them the tie and that eventually they were able to knock in the winning run. So what this shows already is that once given adversity, this team is able to step up and overcome it. And there's one player I want to highlight in particular, and that is freshman Carly Scoopin because over the series, over the whole wildcat Invitational, again, she's only a freshman. She had four home runs and 15 RBIs. And now with those stats that officially takes her to five home runs on the year, which is the highest on the team, 17 RBIs, only one behind Molly Polo for the most on the team a slugging percentage of 1,000, and an on-base percentage of 423. So what this shows, again, as I had said, talked about last week, if the freshmen are performing this well and one through nine are doing this in the batting order, there's no player on this roster that a pitcher looks at as a player they hope to face. Because everybody is is clicking on all cylinders. The stars are on fire. The upcoming class is on fire. They were had adversity with this game against Oregon State, and they pulled it out. So... Honestly, 10-0, they deserve it. This team is rolling, and I'm excited for the future.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the RBIs for Deja and Scoopin, and it's not only leading the team, but they lead the Pac-12 as a conference in RBIs. So Arizona's the top two RBI producers so far in the Pac-12s. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it also against Oregon State. Not only was it close, but they also fell behind in that eighth inning and scored two runs in the bottom of the eighth to win it and walk off. Uh, Seth, what, about you? What, what did you see from the softball team this weekend that kind of impressed you?
2: Uh, yeah, Sean was right. They're not going to, you know, even though it's early in season, they have blown everybody out except that last Oregon State game. That's not going to happen, uh, you know, the entire year. And it was good to see them win a close game and come back. Um But just the offensive output, I'm just want to read a couple batting averages. Just they're just, you know, 571, 444, 444, 433, 400, 393, 375, 300. I mean, still, it's a small sample size, but even if those regress kind of, you know, towards more of the mean, if they got, you know, that many people hitting, you know, 300, even that's, you know, incredible. And they're going to win a lot of softball games just because it's going to outscore the other opponent, you know, even if they have an off day from a pitcher. So that's kind of the takeaways I had from it.
0: Yeah. Five people hitting over 400, which is pretty incredible. Mikey said, obviously, you know, it's still early and once, you know, once we get into more competitive games that might come down to the average, but even if the average is like, you know, 300, 350 with, you know, four or five g- girls hitting that, you know, hitting that mark, and that's impressive in its own uh, regard. So uh, what about you, Brian? What did you kind of see from the softball team this weekend that impressed you?
3: Yeah, so, again, just uh, going off what Seth and Sean were saying, I think uh, to see Deja and Carly uh, combine 35 RBIs apiece so far uh, this season is really impressive. Uh, the two uh, leaders in that category in the Pac-12, a uh, two-headed monster that's very formidable that will lead uh, this softball team going in uh, to their upcoming road trip. I got to give a lot of credit to the pitching staff. I thought they were really dominant. Uh, they only gave up seven runs. Like, that's it. The run differential, 44-7, to 7, it's unbelievable. Uh, the pitching staff was in full command uh, the, the entire series. This five-game invitational, uh, they are really impressive. There was no, you know, getting any runs on them. It was, they were almost unhittable uh virtually throughout this uh five game set. So I gotta give a lot of credit to them.
0: Right. It's not just like one part of the game, but it's like hitting, fielding, pitching. Uh Alyssa Denham four and 0.29 on ERA, Hannah Bowen 2-0, uh oh six four ERA, Mariah Mariah Lopez 184 ERA, 3 and 0. So it's not just you know the hitting uh, or the fielding or the pitching it's like all of it together kind of kind of is why they're I think they're you know number they move number three in the country yeah and then UCLA lost the other day so that might move them up even further potentially so it really just goes to show you that you know as long as they can keep if they can keep up even like remotely close to these numbers it should be a really exciting season uh, for the softball team so did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add in
1: obviously they've won 10 games in a row which is amazing but Now we are going to see the true stamina of this team because they are going on the road for, I believe, the next 11 games. And first stop is in Florida where they play a swath of Florida schools. So they're going to be going from stadium to stadium, city to city. So travel, as we always say, it always will take a toll and it's always a factor on teams because you just don't no, like with flight and time differential, it's not your home stadium. I do believe, again, someone can fact check me on this later, but I do believe Florida will allow crowds because Florida is in a different sort of setting when it comes to the pandemic. So there may even be some audiences there. So there will be no fans virtually for them there as well. So they're going to have to deal with that for the first time in this season. And then immediately after that, the Florida series, they fly all the way up to Washington. So they're going to go from one end of the country to the other, two completely different time zones. So this team is going to be pulled all over the place right now. But the only reason I say that is because other than that, I really don't see any other weaknesses. Like you just listed off all the ERAs, Ari. I mean, it's a miracle if a pitching staff has people below 2.5 at this point, every pitcher is under two and a big combination of them are under one. And then you look at the batting averages as Seth just listed off. I mean, everybody's hitting like four or 300. And then the errors have been minimized as well. The run differential is just... Through the roof for them, so the only not I would say weakness, the only true test right now is how do you perform on the road, and we're about to find that out soon enough.
2: Yeah, to capitalize on what Sean said, in Florida they'll be playing seven games in eight days in three different cities. So I mean, just the traveling, just between, I mean, first you got you know it's a five-hour flight out there, depending you know how they get there, whether that maybe they have to make a stop somewhere. Or then you know just the there's I'm sure it's you know two or three hours in between each city on the bus. At, late at night after a game, that takes a toll. So, you know, if they, you know, I, I don't think they're going to win all of these games. I just, you know, too much, so much stacked against them, but you know, if they can win, they're playing seven games, if they can win four of them, I think that'd be a really successful road trip. So, but it'd, I'm really looking forward to see how they respond to, you know, some difficult playing conditions.
3: Yeah. I agree with the assessment that uh, traveling will definitely have a factor uh, going on to this road trip in Florida. And especially considering, like, uh, how will they handle, you know, that such long duration of, of traveling and, uh, you know, jet lag and stuff. Like, how will that factor in to how they show up and play? I think definitely plays a factor. And, yeah, I think they're going up against some formal teams in Florida, A&M, uh, Central Florida, South Florida. Um, it's a shame. No, no disrespect to other teams, but, you know, they don't get to play uh, UF or Miami. On that slate, I, th- I think that would be great to see. But yeah, they also uh, get to play Florida State, so I think it'll be great how they get, uh, you know how they show up and perform on this uh, four-team marathon in Florida, and then have to go all the way back across the country to Washington. So I think it's a, it's going to be a big testament uh, to how this team uh, handles adversity, because I think certainly they will have to uh, deal with that.
0: Yeah, you guys mentioned it. So coming up on Saturday, March 6th, and Sunday, March 7th, two games in South Florida. And then they go to Orlando for a game against Central Florida uh, on March 8th, March 10th, Florida AM and Tallahassee. And then three games against Florida State. And then they come all the way back to Seattle to play Washington uh, for four games. And then they finally come back home March 26th. So that's almost the whole month of March that they're going to be out of Tucson and traveling. So this will definitely be the first, I mean, you could say the Oregon State game was the first kind of uh, close game or kind of, you know, uh, adversity, but this, you know, this whole month of March is definitely going to really show us where they're at uh, before they come back to Seattle to get back into Pac-12 play um, against some other, you know, top teams in the country. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the softball team. Uh, so now we'll take a quick break and hear word from our sponsor
3: this is my opinion this is my my opinion my
0: opinion this is my opinion i'm lauren barelli and i'm your host for the podcast here we will have our writers from the opinions desk at the daily wildcat discussing weekly topics and really they're going to say whatever they want because this is a podcast about our opinions why we have them and what we have to say about it don't like what we have to say Submit your ideas through email to storyideas at dailywildcat.com. because you hear an opinion you maybe never heard before. Like it or don't, we don't really care because this is my opinion. But really, we hope you do. So go listen, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream
3: podcasts. And don't forget to comment, rate, and share. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. My opinion. My opinion. This is my opinion. That was a word from
0: our sponsor. If you're interested in working for the Daily Wildcat and are a University of Arizona student, visit dailywildcat.com apply now. Like what you hear and wanna get this type of content in your inbox, sign up for our weekly themed newsletters at dailywildcat.com slash sign up. And we're back with Sean, Seth and Brian. And now we'll get into the baseball team who is coming off a four game sweep of Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, This past weekend, Thursday through Sunday, Um, we had Brandon Bossier uh, really break out with 10 hits this weekend. Um, Preston Price and Vincentelli, who are kind of the super seniors on the team, who wouldn't have been back this year if it wasn't for the shortened season, have combined for 10.2 shutout innings. And then sophomore transfer uh, Chase Stilseth and freshman T.J. Nichols have really put up two impressive uh, starts on the mound. So will start with you, Seth, this time. What did you see from the baseball team this weekend that impressed you?
2: I was very impressed with the baseball team. Number one, with the hitting. Um, when they are hitting, they are a very, very tough team to beat, especially with the bullpen you were talking about, Preston Price, Price and, and Vince. I got to shout out Vince. Vince, he's a Cincinnati native like me, so I like that. Um, but, yeah, once, they, once those two guys came in the game, as you said, first night it was uh, good morning, good afternoon, good night. The game was over. Um, and then Brandon Bossier, this dude is, is absolutely raking and he's a super nice guy. And I, when I talked to him after the game on a zoom press conference, he's really nice. You know, he took the time for, you know, me and a couple other reporters and coach Johnson raves about him. So that was good to see him get some hits. And another guy who had a really good, um, series was Dante Williams. He put, had some great catches out in center field. And then I, I feel like he got on base almost every single time. It felt like when he was the leadoff batter. So, I mean, when you get the leadoff guy on, you're just going to score a lot of runs. And then T.J. Nichols, uh, his start yesterday, uh, he talked about trying to keep the ball down in the zone, and that's what he did. He had a couple mistakes where he kept it up, but they didn't really hurt him. So, all in all, really good series, really good bounce back from Ball State, and looking forward to see what this team can do, you know, going forward.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Dante Williams. He was got to like a super slow start, so much so that he's moved down to the lineup like a 7 or 8 spot. And then, but then this past weekend, they moved him back up to the top of the lineup and he really started to kind of find his groove, uh, you know, patience at the plate. Sean, what about you? What did you see from the Biffle team this weekend?
1: So, this was exactly the kind of series that Arizona needed to rebound from with Ball State a four game against a team where if you win three games, that is an acceptable standard. But they went out and they swept them. And as Seth had mentioned before, I don't care who you're playing, it doesn't matter who the team is in the NCAA. Winning four games in a row against anybody is very difficult because a team can see you already, and they're already going to know what adjustments to make for you in those latter halves of those games. And there was nothing that Southeastern Louisiana could do. Especially for me, the biggest game of the four-game series was game three. They were down 3 nothing, and then they scored four runs to come back from that really late. I believe it was in the seventh inning is when they dropped all four of their runs. And then their their relief bullpen, which – I had mentioned last week was what was a bit of a weakness because they need to be able to close out games came in shut them down and then the next game I mean it was just a hit parade 14-2 and that just you know summed up the weekend closed out the sweep so going forward right now what it is is that Arizona's got the starting pitching I believe they have a really solid rotation hitting is finally starting to get back up I mean as uh, Seth just talked about, uh, one guy I want to comment on, um, Ryan Holgate. I think he is starting to establish himself as one of the team's best. I mean, he's already got he leads eleven RBIs, batting four fifty two, six forty five slugging percentage, five fifty on base percentage. I mean, dude's a beast right now. I think those stats are only going to continue to grow as the season goes on. And right now, all it is is um, it's just that it's just the relievers, like the pitching has got to get better near the end. They did have um, that one game. They did win 13 to 11, but I think it was something like Southeastern Louisiana. They dropped six runs in the top of the eighth inning. I know when you got a big lead, you can kind of start to slow down. You maybe think, oh, like we got this game, but any team can come back at any time and six runs in one inning. Honestly, it's just, it's unacceptable, but hey, they won all four games. Congrats to the team. They've reasserted themselves as one of the best in the NCAA exactly what they needed for the series they got coming up
0: yeah hitting has never been a problem for this team in recent years it's always been the pitching so if you can if guys like still seth and nichols and keep this up and kind of be that top two of the rotation guys that you can rely on you know every week against any team and i think that would really do wonders for you know for this team and out of the bullpen you have vanelli and price as kind of like the, like the veterans who you can rely on whenever you want so i think if you can have those kind of anchors in the starting rotation and the bullpen, now really help this uh, overall pitching rotation a lot. What about you, Brian? What did you see from the business team this past weekend?
3: Yeah, from this past weekend, uh, my takes from this was yeah, you know, going I was a little worried. Uh, you know, Southeastern Louisiana—they did outscore a, a team was sixty-six to seven, I believe. But then there's a part of me that was like, well, no, no, no disrespect to Southeastern Louisiana. You know, coming from a small conference, they don't really uh, aren't accustomed to playing, you know, big time competition like here in the Pac-12, other uh, Power 5 conferences. But then, um, you know, against Arizona, they played very well. I saw, like, this is starting to become the team's identity, just started to develop this winning formula of, you know, they do all the f- fundamentals, like, cor- uh, so uh, perfectly, like, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, hit and run situations, stealing bases, uh, sacrifice bunts. Uh, they're really good guys um, on base. I mean, yeah, it may not be the most exciting brand of baseball, but uh, it really gets the job done, and that's what Coach Johnson has preached uh, since the beginning of the season. So I, I think that's something uh, to see Arizona can build on. Uh, and also, I really liked uh, Daniel Susak, the catcher. I remember talking to Johnson, Coach Johnson, the other uh, last week, and asked him like. Um, Because he struggled in the last uh, series against Ball State, only went two for 12, 167 batting average. And, of course, this week was really like his breakout um, performance uh, so far this season. Um, He had that uh, huge home run, 450-foot missile, uh, dead center field. So I thought that was really impressive to see him step up in a big-time situation for his team. And also uh, the bullpen stepping up as well. I think uh, a crucial asset to their team. Uh, they step up in you know, big, uh, big time situations to help get their teams out of jams and also the defense. I thought they made some um, solid plays, you know, some Sports Center top 10 worthy plays, should I say. The exceptions being uh, game two and three where they had seven errors combined and which, you know, obviously Johnson wasn't too pleased with that, but. If they can clean those things up, I think Arizona will be just fine. And again, they're showing everyone, not only in the Pac-12 but an entire nation, that uh, they're a team to be reckoned with. They could possibly make a deep run into the incidentally tournament.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the seven errors uh, over the last couple of years. That you know, not only pitching but also fielding and errors has kind of been the biggest Achilles' heel to this Arizona team. You know, tr- kind of trying to rely on double-digit runs every every night on the offensive side of the ball. So if they can clean up the fielding and continue this pitching. Um, you know, that can really do wonders for the as they try to make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time. I believe since, like, 2017, I believe, was the last time they made it. Uh, you mentioned Susack, both him and Jacob Berry, the two starting freshmen, both hit their first uh, collegiate home runs this past weekend. Uh, I think Jacob Berry's saying 400, so he kind of broke out. And then you mentioned Susack as well, kind of turned around offensively. And Susack has been really good defensively, too, behind the play as well. Uh, you know, which isn't easy for a true freshman behind the plate um, to be playing like he is defensively, so that's really impressive.
2: I got an interesting little tidbit here. Jacob Blass has been hit by a pitch five times this year, so I'm not sure if he's just, you know, taking it for the team or if he's crouching, you know, the plate, but I just think that's interesting, and I disagree, Brian. I think the stealing the bases, their bunting, all that, trying to get, get guys on, get them over, get them in, uh, is really exciting baseball. It creates more plays, you know at second base when they're stealing Um, they had a couple squeeze plays at home that you know were some plays I think it's exciting you know I, I love a home run too but you know I think the most exciting play in baseball is you know a throw from the outfield to home so and you know when you're waving guys on from second to to go home all the time because you're aggressive on the base paths that creates more of it. And then I think they scored a lot of runs because of it.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Sean, did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: It has been exciting to watch the team and how they play consistently with all these team, all these other um, teams like back to back. But now with the, uh, I was going to like start to mention like the upcoming challenge they have in the uh, Frisco college baseball classic, they're going to play three different teams. Now they're going to play Oklahoma back to back, but then They're going to play a completely different team in Dallas Baptist and then a completely different team in Missouri. So just like we talked about the softball um, team, this is going to be Arizona's real first true test because they're going on the road to a stadium that every team isn't home to, but it's going to be different. And you're going to see different teams almost every single day. And this is going to be the first time they're away from, from home. So we'll see how they do. I think, though, the four-game sweep is exactly what they needed to take all the confidence going forward, but as we talk about – The road is different, especially in Texas, like everything's different there, whether it would be heat, whether it's humidity, those play a factor in how the ball spins, how fast the ball travels, not only with pitching, but also off the bat as well. So there's going to be a lot of different things because Arizona is known for its dry heat. So anytime this team travels outside of Arizona, there are always those exogenous factors of weather and time difference that are going to change things. So we'll see how this team holds up in a completely different environment.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. So as you mentioned, coming up for the baseball team this week, uh, we have the Frisco College Baseball Classic starting on March 4th, uh, this upcoming Thursday, where they'll have back-to-back games against Oklahoma on Thursday, Friday, before they take on Dallas Baptist on Saturday, March 6th, and Missouri on March 7th on Sunday. So similar to the softball team, as you mentioned, this will be the first real battle, you know, true adversity um, playing away from home in a different environment and before they come back home to uh, high corporate the following week. And so we'll, we'll really get to see how the softball Mitchell teams can do away from home uh, this week as they you know look forward to the rest of the season. Uh, so this has been Play Ball, the Daily Wildcat Baseball and Softball Podcast. Thank you to everyone involved in the making of this show, including sports editor Jacob Manuti, uh, myself, managing editor and producer Pascal Albright, Editor in chief, Sam Burdett, the Daily Wildcat Sports Desk, the Daily Wildcat online all the time at dailywildcat.com. And listeners like you, thank you. Subscribe, rate, comment, and share. Uh, this, so, this has been the second episode of Play Ball, the Daily Wildcat baseball Softball Podcast, and we will catch you all next week. <laughs>